0: I think We're going to be reading 8 through 16, verses 8 through 16. Hear the word of God. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, (coughs) heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundation, and builder is God. By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland, If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So ends the reading of God's word. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we do give thanks to you this day because you are the great shepherd of the sheep and you feed your flock. You lead us beside still waters and you restore our souls. Indeed, we confess ourselves as pilgrims in the earth. And as your flock, we look for your provision, and we seek your food. And so, O God, we ask that you would feed our souls this morning through your word, that we might look to you, who are the giver of every good and perfect gift, that you would strengthen us for the journey. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, The events that uh, have taken place this week uh, put me in a a frame of mind where, as I was thinking about what I should preach on, uh, it seemed to me that uh, a good uh, subject for us to consider together this morning, the first time that we've gathered since we heard on Tuesday morning of the passing of our sister Barb. It would be helpful for us to hear from God's Word what it is and what it means to live as a pilgrim people, what it is to be pilgrims and exiles and sojourners in the earth. And the Bible certainly holds out Abraham as the father of the faithful. And you might remember that recently we have been considering the book of Galatians And that the Apostle Paul makes a great point of the fact that that which makes a person a Christian is faith in the promise of God. Faith in the promise of God for us who live since the coming of the Messiah. The faith in in the promise of God of eternal life. The forgiveness of sins through the shed blood of Jesus Christ for us on the cross, and the hope of eternal glory, the same glory that he now enjoys at the right hand of his Father. For you and for me, the call that I want to speak about in a minute, the call that Abraham heard, that call comes to you in the form of the gospel, the good news, about the the life the incarnation the life the ministry the death and the resurrection of the one who is the Son of God the Savior of sinners who trust in him we are all saved by faith in the promise of God and you, this morning, I hope will hear what we have to see about the walk of faith and a pilgrimage, the pilgrim life, through the prism of the life of Abraham, but also through the prism of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember that Jesus Christ is present in the, in Abraham's life. Jesus Christ is present throughout the whole of the revelation that he gives to his people in the old as well as the new. And he was ordained before even the world was created to be the Savior. And so, what is the life of Christ and what was his ministry on earth but a pilgrim ministry? He left his home where he dwelt from all eternity in the glory of the Father, and he came into our world and took to himself our nature from the womb of the Virgin Mary. And he lived among us as one who was believing and trusting as fully man, fully God, fully man. And as the God-man, believing and trusting in the promises that the Father had made to him and seeking to walk the pilgrim life as an example to those who would follow him and be his disciples. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are called to follow Jesus Christ along the path and the ministry that he had for us, to follow him along the path of suffering. And if Christ doesn't come before, of physical death and into the glory of his presence where he now is. So in some senses we can see then that the life of Christ himself is a life in which he came from heaven to earth and returned to his home. And your life and mine can be seen in the same way from, from uh, thousands of feet up. One day uh, uh, in, the, in, in God's time, is is very short and you and I though our lives stretch over the years and none of us know how long for children time takes seems to take a long time for those of us who are older time seems to go by way too fast but that time that has been allotted to us is a pilgrim time and it's one of the great images of the Bible as we've already explained. It was in the it was Abraham's experience. It was the experience of the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt and wandered in the wilderness and then finally received the, the land of promise, Canaan, that God had given to them. And David, in his prayer and said these words, he says, For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as our fathers were. Our days on earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. Peter writes to the believers who would read his epistle, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles To abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Have you ever thought about the fact that the early Christians were known as followers of the way? Followers of the way. I think that that expression captures. The pilgrim life. The pilgrim life is a follower of Christ on the way and on the path that he trod. And so we are sojourners. There's a great book that was written on this subject. John Bunyan wrote it The Pilgrim's Progress. And in that book, John Bunyan has pilgrim has Christians say. I have come from the city of destruction, and I am going to Mount Zion. I have come from the city of destruction, and I am going to Mount Zion. So I would urge you this morning to see this, that when God calls a person, when God calls you, he calls you in the gospel to faith in Jesus Christ, And he calls you to follow Jesus on a pilgrimage through this present world to the place where Jesus is now in glory. Very important that we understand our lives in this way. That place of glory is variously called Mount Zion, the celestial city, the city of God, the new Jerusalem, the new creation the new heavens and the new earth. What then are the marks of the pilgrim life? I want us to look at those marks and see, first of all, that the first mark of the pilgrim life is that it is a life that begins when God comes to you and speaks to you in the gospel, when he calls you. In the Bible, it's called just that, the word call. God in heaven knows you as he knew Abraham and we read in verse 8 by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance so you have the beginning of the pilgrim life begins in God's calling of Abraham and of Abraham's response to that call You have the two sides. You have God's speaking and Abraham's response. And so the same applies to you this morning. God speaks to you in the message of the gospel. But it's not for you merely to hear passively, but it is for you to respond to that which he invites you to, to go to a land. That he will show you. An inheritance that he has prepared for you. And the fact that Abraham responded was a miracle of grace. You might remember that the scripture teaches that Abraham uh, was an idolater. He was a worshiper of idols along with the rest of his family when he lived in Ur. He didn't start out his life being the friend of God. He had a life prior to that. And one day, God came to him and spoke to him and said to him that he was to go out to a place that he would receive as an inheritance. And it says that he went out. He went out. God called him, and he went. So the message is to you as well. God is calling you in Christ Jesus to follow Christ. Will you also follow, will you obey as Abraham did? John Owen wrote about the life of faith in his comment on this passage. He says, the first act of saving faith consists in the discovery and the sight of the infinite greatness of faith. Is the conviction that it applies even to you. Wherever you are, whatever you have done, whatever your life is like, when the message comes to you in Christ, won't you consider it to be the word of one who is faithful and who would not make those promises to you if it was not true? And will you not believe it? Will you not enter through the doorway of Christ? And specifically, the cross of Christ. The cross is the place, the meeting place. It is the meeting place between your soul and God. It is the place to which you must go. It is the place where, when you encounter Christ on the cross, that you will find that all the things that have had a hold on you up to this point, Their power over you dissolves the minute you see the one who suffered and died for your sins. The Apostle Paul said that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. There's something that happens when you come to the cross. and You see there the the one who suffered in your place. When you see there the love of God to you. There's something that happens, and that is a union between you and Christ. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, in the early verses of that chapter, he says, we have been baptized into Christ's death. We are united to Christ in his death, so much so that the power of his life takes hold of us, and we now live to him. The cross is the great meeting place between your soul and God. Would you come to that place with all of your sin? And will you see there the all-sufficient sacrifice? Will you see there the blood of Christ shed? Will you see there the one who died that you might have life? It is the doorway through which you must pass. In C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, the wardrobe had a secret door. And as the wardrobe in the Chronicles of Narnia was for Peter and Susan and Edmund and Lucy, the doorway into Narnia, so the death of Jesus on the cross is the doorway to life. The new life is entered into, and it begins a pilgrimage. This is the pilgrimage of the Christian. It begins when we come face to face with our own sin. And I I would say this is that it usually begins with the experience of some deep conviction of your great need and possibly even a loss of all hope. Christian life begins with that sense of the depth And the difficulty, in fact, the impossibility of your experiencing salvation from anything that you could possibly do. And so don't be surprised if the Christian life is at its very inception and beginning the experience of a great and mighty struggle of hope, a struggle against despair, a struggle to believe that God could be merciful even to us. But the cross is where God solves that. St. Augustine put it this way, that there might be a way by which we could go. He has come from him to whom we wished to go. And what has he done? He has appointed a tree by which we may cross the sea. For no one is able to cross the sea of this world unless he is born by the cross of Christ. And so it is our union with Christ in his death that opens the pilgrim life. It is the narrow gate that Jesus speaks about. Enter by the narrow gate to life. The second thing that we notice about the pilgrim life is that it is, a, it is a life in which we experience the promise, but the non-possession. A promise, but the not yet possession of that which is promised. Verses 13 through 15. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles in the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. What did God promise Abraham? It was an inheritance. That was part of it. It was a seed. That was part of it. Descendants that would be innumerable. And God promised Abraham a land of promise, an inheritance. And yet Abraham, when he went there, did not live as the possessor of it, but as a stranger and as an exile. He lived alongside those who lived in the land of Canaan, but the promise that God held out to him, he saw as still lying ahead in the future. He lied, it was something that was not granted to him immediately, but it lay ahead. And so it was, there was that experience of being an exile, being a sojourner in the land that God had promised to give him. And I do believe that this land of Canaan was for Abraham a sacrament. What is a sacrament? It is a sign that points to something greater. We use the the term sacrament for baptism and for the Lord's Supper. And in each one of those signs, you notice that they point to something that is beyond them. And so it is that the land of Canaan was for Abraham, for Abraham, it was a sacrament, it was a sign of a city whose builder and maker is God. And that's what the writer of Hebrews says For in verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder of God, is God. Abraham knew that he would not in his lifetime on earth experience the fullness of the promise that God had given to him of an inheritance of of this land. And so it says that he died in faith. He died in faith. And so even in his very act of dying, he was looking toward this city, a city that lay beyond Canaan a city that lay beyond this land that he had traveled to. It was never merely the land of Canaan. It was a far greater land, a far greater city that Abraham looked to. But as he passed through, he confessed himself to be A stranger and an exile on earth now it's interesting that the term is that he spoke or confessed that that he identified himself that way in other words he didn't put down his roots he didn't build buildings that would be permanent he didn't try to build an earthly city he was looking to another city Remember that Cain went out, and Cain's descendants became builders of cities. Think of the Tower of Babel. Abraham is, is, is uh, after the Tower of Babel. His history follows that. And it points us to not a city that man builds, but a city that God will make. And so as we live in this city of man, we live as citizens of a heavenly city. And so we carry out our physical lives. We live and we fulfill the callings that God has given us to fulfill. We take care of our daily, uh, the daily demands that are upon us. And we, day by day, ask for God's strength to fulfill those demands. And we endure Trials, various kinds of afflictions and difficulties along the way. But all the while that we are busy in this life, our hearts and our minds are looking toward the city that God has made, that God has built. That was the mind of Abraham. And I would say that it was also the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, the writer of Hebrews says of Christ that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the shame of the cross. And that's kind of, in his mind, he was thinking of the glory that would be his, not only, and not a glory that he would enjoy alone, but that a glory that he would enjoy with all those whom the Father has given him, including you if you are trusting in Jesus Christ this morning. Christ is in heavenly glory, and he longs for you to be present with him. And As we have seen this week and experienced the loss of our dear sister Barb, we know that, he, that she is in the very presence of Jesus Christ, that she, is, she has reached that city she still awaits the physical resurrection, but she has passed through the pilgrimage of this world and has reached the very presence of the one who called her to himself. And so there is that expectation and that future hope that marks the pilgrim. The pilgrim is one who looks even as they experience. The difficulties of this life, at that eternal weight of glory that Paul refers to when he says this, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. You know, for the Christian, it's kind of this uh, strange thing. You experience it in in the process of aging. Um. In, in the process of aging, haven't you uh, noted and probably said to yourself, those of you who are um, maybe past 40, will say, uh, I don't feel like I'm whatever age you are. And I've, I've, I've often thought that. You know, you, you know that other people, when they look at you, they see your graying hair. They see the increase in the wrinkles on your face. They see all these things. They see you as one who is older. But you don't feel that way. And these words of the Apostle Paul are the reason why. Because in Christ, you're getting younger every day. In Christ, you're being reborn every day. In Christ, you're experiencing a life that is eternal in the heavens. And that life is renewed day by day. So the words of Bob Dylan come to mind. I was so much older than, I'm younger than that now. In Christ, your life is made new. Each day that you live, it is renewed again. Each day that you live, that life that is eternal seeps through your very bones and your marrow. And each day that you live, the desire for that completion in Christ grows stronger. And so, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory, Beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, that is, passing, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so Paul says, keep your eyes on that unseen world. Keep your eyes where Jesus Christ is. And some of us who have loved ones who are with Christ now, Have one more reason to keep your eyes and your heart focused on that great place. For Christ is in his glory. Abraham saw these promises. He didn't experience their fulfillment right away. But he looked toward that city. He saw it from afar. He saw that which was invisible to his eyes, but he could see it by faith. How did he see it? He saw it because he greeted it. When did he greet it? He greeted it when he heard of it. Does your heart leap? Does your heart leap for joy when you consider these things? It says that Abraham saw these things and he greeted them from afar. How did he do that? Well, it came to him in the promise that was renewed to him. And the promise is renewed to you. And it is being renewed to you even right now. Do you greet it? Do you look to it? The psalmist David says, Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a stranger on the earth. And the one thing that David felt the need of more than anything else in his life of pilgrimage was the renewal of the promise that came to him through the word of God. Hide not, he cries. Hide not your commandments from me. And so it is that everyone who has their hearts set on the home that Christ has prepared for them, the cry of your heart until you reach that place where the word of God is not necessary for you because it is fulfilled in all of its fullness, until you reach that point, the cry of your heart is, Hide not your commandments from me. Let me behold wondrous things from your law. We are willing to live as sojourners as long as we have that promise and as long as we have God. And I want us to see as well. Finally, another mark of the Christian pilgrimage is that it carries us beyond death. These all died in faith. These all died in faith. Faith continues the purse in a persevering way God enables you to persevere to the end of your life and when all other reliefs and supports fail we will cross the final river of death and if you think about it and if you have experienced death you know that that is exactly what it is it is the dissolution it is the dissolution of this earthly body in the inability to keep this earthly life from going on anymore. And it is an overwhelming realization, and it hits us so hard when it does. But I want you to live your life not fearing death. I want you to carry heaven in your heart now so that when the moment of your departure from this life comes that the presence of Christ will be your great desire. And if Christ does not come before you will die like Abraham did in faith eagerly expecting the fulfillment of the promise of God to you. That he has a home. He has a city. He has a glorious celestial city. That he has prepared. For you. We, Paul says we know. That if the tent. That is our earthly home. Is destroyed. We have a building. From God. A house not made with hands. Eternal. In the heavens. Eternal in the heavens what kind of love the father has shown to us that we should be called the children of God and so we are and the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him beloved we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appeared We will be like him because we shall see him as he is. The moment of seeing Christ as he is is the moment in which you will be set free from sin and purified, and you will be like him. We're going to sing in just a moment these words Unto the grave, what shall we sing? Christ. He lives. Christ, he lives. What reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with him. There There we will rise to meet the Lord. Then sin and death will be destroyed. And we will feast in endless joy when Christ is ours forevermore. Let Christ be the love of your heart. Let the city that God has built be your destination. And do not make this world your home. Live for him as a pilgrim and as a sojourn. You belong to him and he is bringing you to his his heavenly home. Let's live that way in the year that lies ahead of us let us pray our gracious God and Heavenly Father we do thank you for the example that you have given to us in Scripture of the life of Abraham what an amazing thing it was and father we pray that we might follow the Lord Jesus Christ that if there be anyone here who has not yet set out on that journey, that they would begin to set out on it even this day. And that by faith that they would believe the promise and that they would be brought from death to life. So may it be that you would strengthen us for the journey. When we hear of this wondrous thing that you have done, may we believe it and be fully persuaded of it. We ask this through Jesus, our Lord.